0: Welcome to Film Suck, a Patreon podcast in which we ponder the work of art in the age of crap cinema and TV. I should say, (laughs) I'm Eileen Jones. I'm Dolores McElroy. And the hit HBO Max series Hacks is the topic du jour. It's uh, just to get the summary out of the way, if you're not, a, if you're not watching already, which you should be, it's, it's quite a good show. Um, it's a comedy-drama that's won a ton of Emmys for writing, directing, and best performance by an actress, for Smart, in the lead role, as well as winning the Golden Globe for best television series of comedy or musical. It's about a legendary 70-ish diva um, in the world of stand-up comedians named Deborah Vance. She's, some of her qualities, anyway, are loosely based on Joan Rivers. Her career as a regular draw in Las Vegas is, is hitting a crisis point as we start the series in season one. We're now at the end of season two. Um, and, you know, she's considered to be kind of aging out of her, of her top draw status um, in Vegas. So as a career-saving device, she's paired by her desperate manager with a young 20-something Gen Z comedy writer named Ava Daniels, played by Hannah Einbinder. I hope I'm saying that right. You are, yeah. <laughs> good, good. Um, Ava's writing career has just been canceled after a misguided online joke. And, you know, so the, basically Jimmy, their manager, takes the play by Paul W. Downs. We'll get into that a little more about him in a bit. Um, he tries to solve two, two client crises at once by putting these seeming opposites together. Naturally, they hate each other at first sight before settling into an uneasy working relationship and starting to discover that they only appear to be opposites. They actually have a lot in common. Especially when it comes to their obsession with their careers, their troubled relationships with family and romantic interests, and their struggles as women in the entertainment industry still dominated by men who never seem to age out of positions of control. Um, this show is so Dolores' show. <laughs> it's her <laughs> current obsession. Oh. And um, Though not only Dolores's, if you read the enthralled commentary of who are so into the show. So let's kick off by just asking what is it about the, these two seasons of Hacks that has fixated so many? Dolores, take it away.
1: Okay. uh, I, I almost... I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, like, I don't know how to recommend this show to just, like, average human beings who don't have, like... My specific life story. <laughs> <laughs> That's how uh,
0: much this is
1: Dolores' show. <laughs> <as Jill. laughs> um, so I have no distance from this thing. So you need to take everything I say with that in mind. This is like watching my life staged by HBO Max, um, which is scarifying. But I think I think I'm I'm justified in saying that if you appreciate good acting, good writing, um, mm. and uh, very high production value. <laughs> then, uh-huh. then there's something in this for you. Um, oh, well, and let
0: I- me just say, because I'm outside of this, isn't this isn't my show in the way that it's Dolores' show? But I can simply say it's super well done. It's very, very funny. The ensemble's fabulous. I mean, there's there's no reason an ordinary person, <laughs> shall <should> we say, <laughs> any civilian wouldn't enjoy watching the show. It really is. It's it's super effective, and it gets. It gets steadily better. It just seems to be picking up more and more steam and richness as it goes. So okay. <laughs> having said all that, that's not that interesting a thing to say about a show that obviously has, a, has an audience, has a big audience, has a lot of awards and everything else. So yeah. let's get back to you know, a, <laughs> the really interesting take on it, which is Dolores's. Dolores really understands this show.
1: Okay, all right. So I I love this show in part because it's about my favorite type of character, which is a diva, <laughs> that mm-hmm. that is Deborah Vance, Jean uh, Smart's character, who's kind of loosely based on Joan Rivers, um, mm-hmm. but very loosely. Uh, mm-hmm. So Deborah Vance. Um, is, to me is very compelling because obviously she brings together a lot of um, seeming opposites. She's, you know, mm-hmm. she's extremely successful in her career, very much alone. Um, mm-hmm. And the the first opening moments of the series establish this. Uh, and the production in general is so thoughtful. Um, the opening shot of the whole series is a sort of tracking shot from behind. Mm-hmm. And we follow Deborah Vance, who's besequined. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, we follow her backstage for, you know, for this long shot that emphasizes all the bustle of backstage life at her Vegas residency, where she's lived and performed now for what we can only presume is like decades. Um but we also see her very careful routine as Deborah greets showgirls, security, mm-hmm. and staff. And finally, the whole sequence ends when Deborah is at home. She's taken her wig and her makeup off. Um, mm-hmm. she feeds her dogs and eats alone at the counter in her kitchen. So there's mm-hmm. like a very stark contrast between, the excitement of show business and mm-hmm. the sort of quiet loneliness of her mm-hmm. life offstage mm-hmm. and um you know she's absolutely a workaholic, but already mm-hmm. just to see a character with like those kind of contrasts is compelling and you want to mm-hmm. know everything about her it, mm-hmm. at least I do
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> so. and it's classic diva as you're always pointing out. always it, the super success of the, the career, the performances contrasted with the quote unquote failures of personal life right
1: very much so yeah Mm -hmm. so i i mean this is kind of like you know my work and my own research but i Mm -hmm. i kind of i came to define the diva as as a public success a Mm -hmm. cultural figure you know who's a a cultural type who Mm -hmm. is defined by the fact that she's a public success and a Mm -hmm. quote private failure Mm -hmm. and deborah vance is this and she Mm -hmm. demonstrates this you know this contrast um but you know, uh, there's like so much written richness that goes with that. So we Mm -hmm. know this type of character. There've been many stories about this and it's amazing because I didn't read this until today, Mm -hmm. but I guess, um, cinematographer, Adam Bricker and writer Mm -hmm. and director, Lucia Anielo actually, um, referenced the recent Judy Garland biopic as Mm a source of inspiration, especially for Deborah's opening sort of montage Mm -hmm. um and i mean that you know judy garland is like the primary center of my life and personal (laughs) religion and cosmos um (laughs) so so obviously and this is you know this is to say like this is a a well-worn character in the culture like we know her so much but to me this show really develops like Um, it's a little less punishing to our main character or like there's lots of hope for redemption Mm -hmm. that seems complex and doesn't force her to give up her work Mm -hmm. or become like a soppy, sentimental, like good person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But she still has so much to contribute to the world even though she's a big fucking shark in her career Mm -hmm. um, and you know a terrible mother. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. but anyway so i love it i love it for the richness it allow you know it allows her character and i love her relationship to ava which right. we'll like get into
0: yeah let me just wait add one note that this is of your great description already that opening shot is so one of the great nuance that i went back and just looked again at the opening just to remind myself it's so well done in part in, in contributing to the these kind of the character and the themes because even though she's clearly hugely successful, she does these, but she does these shows all the time. She's been doing them for 20 years or whatever it is. And it's so rote, you know, she, she comes, she, she does this super successful seeming show comes right off the stage and goes yeah. right through that whole one, one tracking shot routine that you point out, but you get the feeling that she just does this, does this does, She's done this all the time. And that's going to come to be part of the problem. She's yes. being regarded as, well, you've been here forever, you're kind, of getting, you're kind of getting to be a stale talent, and you have done the same material over and over again, and that's going to be where Ava comes in as someone who can bring a fresh perspective and help Absolutely. jar Deborah Vance out of what she doesn't even know is a kind of career rut, however successful it is.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And her her work means a great deal to her. But um, yeah, she's absolutely gotten stale. And she kind of thinks that she's mastered it. But you Mm -hmm. know, obviously, she's, and it, it, she's pretty, um, the rest, it seems like the rest of the world is getting tired of her act. It seems like Deborah kind of still believes in what she's doing until Mm -hmm. the rest of the world tells her. They don't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but her first her first confrontation with Ava is pretty memorable mm-hmm. and a, a pretty wonderful scene between mm-hmm. the two. Um, Ava's traveled to Las Vegas. Deborah Vance didn't mm-hmm. ask her there, and Ava yeah. certainly doesn't want to work for this <laughs> quote old hack. And um, they get into you know kind of a tiff because Ava's kind of entitled and bitchy, and mm-hmm. Deborah's like, "Who the hell are you? I didn't ask for you." <laughs> and mm-hmm. and um, Ava <laughs> tells her, "Pretty nice that they let you." you live in a cheesecake factory because <laughs> they, <laughs> they meet they meet in Deborah's mansion which is like really thoughtfully designed it it does have some cheesecake factory vibes mm-hmm. but it's not like Liberace Vegas mm-hmm. actually there's a lot of she has like fairly decent taste mm-hmm. um and there's a lot about Deborah Vance that's quality which is a mm-hmm. theme that is returned to like you know there's a great line from a side character named Mm -hmm. Kiki that says you know like look her shit is ugly but it's quality yeah the
0: quality is there yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) you can't see this then it's on you yeah (laughs) so yeah yeah, and they so they have this confrontation and sort of like within this confrontation it seems Mm -hmm. like Deborah senses a sort of worthy adversary Mm -hmm. and hires her Mm -hmm. so odd couple shenanigans ensue Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and i i will so there's like in episode two there's like a moment that sets up the primary question for me of the show which is like what is this intergenerational partnership gonna be like Mm -hmm. what form will this take which i Mm -hmm. think is what where a lot of the debate lies around the show like Mm -hmm. we have a lot of problems categorizing these two women and the relationship to each other i think Mm -hmm. because there are just very few of these stories yeah
0: (laughs) <laughs> I can't think of one. I can't think of one. A... There,
1: I mean, they are like mother-daughter stories. Be. <laughs> yeah, and there are. I guess there's the Devil Wears Prada. That's okay. kind of that's
0: similar. true. That I guess uh, that is. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. um But they don't. Uh, they don't end up sort of. It, it, they part at the end of mm-hmm. the Devil Wears product. I don't know, Um, but yeah, they're few and far between. Mm-hmm. So, what did, the second episode that like really sets up the terms for me is when <laughs> Deborah abandons Ava in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a long story, but obviously they live in Vegas. Deborah's mm-hmm. car has broken down. Deborah's got to get to a show, so she hops a, a, a helicopter with the local news team because she knows everyone in Vegas, mm-hmm. and leaves Ava to sort out her car and to convince a reluctant antiques dealer who Deborah has sort of like um, alienated in the past to sell her a $10,000 pepper shaker
0: that will, that Max will com- the salt shaker that she yes. already is. Yes.
1: And there are really good moments for comedy in here. Like Ava calls mm-hmm. it a Jean Valjean pepper shaker. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> From Le oh. Yes, a character from Le Miz. <laughs> um and Ava's who's a you know, a Gen Z um girl is always calling out Deborah's classism um hmm. in a way that's very amusing. Um hmm. so anyway, Ava um actually like pulls some real shenanigans and threatens the antique stealer <laughs> in order to get this pepper shaker, sort of proving that she is not only up to the task of working with Deborah but has a lot in common with Deborah herself. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, she basically picks up up what he's already identified as the most high-quality and expensive item in his shop, and she's holding it over her head, shrieking. Yes. <laughs> Look, Lemony Snicket. I'm going <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to break this thing. This is the end of the line for me if you don't do this for me. Yep, Um
1: yep. So it's a beautiful scene. It's a beautiful scene. <laughs> she threatens him and yeah. she acquires the pepper shaker mm. and then she delivers it to Deborah. And there's mm. a lovely moment that closes that episode where Deborah, mm. who has an extensive salt and pepper shaker <laughs> collection, <laughs> um, opens her tchotchke cabinet mm. and you see her place the pepper shaker next to its mate, the salt mm. shaker. And you're like, huh, okay, something about partnership. I'll Salt missing its pepper, mm-hmm. and you know, it kind of opens up the question like, what kind of partners will they be? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> mm. um, so who knows? I mean, first, you know, first and foremost, I think we've established it's pretty mm-hmm. unique to have this kind of intergenerational relationship mm-hmm. as the main, um, the main like relationship that, mm-hmm. that the whole uh, that a show or a film revolves around, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And so, especially centered on creative work too exactly. there's so much about that and that was a big deal for the co-creators in showrunners um who talk about like we thought that would be so amazing to bring people in on the creative process in stand-up comedy Get some sense of what this how this works um and by the way the people the these people are there's three um, Lucia Agnello, Jen Statsky, and Paul W. Downs. And Paul W. Downs also plays the agent character of Jimmy, who tricked both Ava and Deborah into working together. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, to further the enmeshment here, Paul W. Downs it, it recently married Lucia Agnello. I think they married right before the Emmy ceremonies. that got them so many awards. And Jen <laughs> Statsky is identified as their best, their mutual best friend. So and they've all done stand up and skit and improv and sketch and all these kinds of comedy. So they're bringing this huge wealth of knowledge to um, representing this. But one of the things they really want to get into is just like, how can we convey what it's like? Not only how hard is it is to do risk taking, new creative work in stand up comedy, but just like what is it like? How do you bounce jokes back and forth? How do you make them better? How what is it like? And one of the things that that's important to note, Gene Smart so kills the role of a. A legendary stand-up comedian that you don't even think for several episodes oh wait she really seems like she is a stand-up comedian she's so good performing stand-up comedy i mean she's so funny i suddenly went like several episodes in like wait a minute she's actually doing this like she's some old pro she's not a stand-up comedian holy shit she just acts it and and it works amazing
1: she's fucking amazing
0: she's (laughs) really really it's a great role for her like career capstone well you don't even hope it's not so she can just go on she's so i good. know keep
1: going jean keep going yeah
0: yeah yeah but anyway but, sorry i interrupted you carry on
1: oh no thank you that was an important um addition and yeah they're actually the team behind broad city if you've ever seen that mm-hmm. um which is a hilarious show but i'm with you i mean this is this is actually like one of the main reasons i love the show is that mm-hmm. these women are artists and they're involved in a creative collaboration. You never see that. I can mm. I can count on like a hand, like <laughs> a a show or a movie about women artists. Yeah. Maybe Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which has an a woman artist in it. <laughs> right. Okay. But um, it's so exciting to see like a creative collaboration between women. And yeah, this is like this is the best part. So I mean, it, it and they also wanted to um illustrate the sort of like debt that the current generation owes mm. to a previous generation of women in comedy mm-hmm. and to have it be about the sort of i mean we talk a lot about generations these days more mm. than i ever remember doing before right and,
0: exactly every generation has to have a name that gets argued yeah. about whether it's an accurate name and oh my god and the hostility between generations all oh, that
1: shit. absolutely i mm. guess it's just because like the culture is moving more quickly you yes. know so I mean. just yeah, distinctions yeah. are like forming and crystallizing in ways that perhaps they didn't. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but but anyway, um yeah, it was it it's you know, obviously like oftentimes the younger generation kind of dismisses the older generation, you know, okay boomer, um mm-hmm. stuff like that. <laughs> and obviously there's a ginormous gulf of misunderstanding <laughs> between mm-hmm. the older generations and um especially some of the sort of like you know consciousness that the younger generations have around like race and gender and mm-hmm, class mm-hmm. and stuff like that so i mean it is like hilarious um mm. food for comedy <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and and i think really you come out um appreciating I, I, deborah's point of view like much mm-hmm. more than well we know we know ava's point of view we're kind of like steeped in it it's mm-hmm. we kind of share it and she mm-hmm. is shown to be like kind of absurd and deeply hypocritical mm-hmm. in her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in her critiques but it's not like but also she they both help each other grow you know like right De- each
0: has manifest flaws that are funny and yeah and we're supposed to be able to see those flaws and 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 we're learning to love them both but isn't that hard? But but it is yeah. it's nicely insightful because, you know, no one's going to approach Deborah Vance without just feeling holy. Right. I mean, <laughs> Vegas is already an insane place and you really get Ava's initial reactions to like the, the harshness of the light which is very true about Vegas. like it's almost impossible to be in Vegas in the daytime for me anyway not that I go that often but I, I've been a few times and it was just like god sleep all day and go out all night is the answer here um but you know she gradually gets over that but the first couple of episodes she's really registering the gig- the giganticism of everything I mean Deborah Vance's house is just this colossus yeah. Um. Even if it's sort of a semi more tasteful than most gigantic <laughs> mansions. Yes. Um. But she and she's just constantly in acts of of just insane conspicuous. Country. Even though she's yes. she's tasteful in many ways, but you see so such a wealth of overkill <laughs> in her possessions, like you know stocking fish into the 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 what is it this the pond so she can sort of semi fish (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's just like outpouring of just gallons and gallons and gallons of water that you're treated to in close-ups so you can drink that in that they're in this waterless desert and this yeah. is just the water waste is is the key to a whole romance <laughs> that the character of Marcus, her, her COO, um, you know, he falls in love with them, with the guy who keeps coming from the water company who keeps yeah. coming to protest <laughs> the absolutely insane overuse of water. And of course that's another of the ways Ava can get on her case. Like what is with you? You have no sense of the environment <laughs> being depleted <laughs> and destroyed whatsoever. Yes. Um, so there's all that kind of, it's kind of easy but it's also reliably funny and you know kind of kind of true that this is this really is it's not just one generation you could argue it's it's two generations at least separate oh yeah 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 and so sure yes there's a lot to learn from Deborah Vance and that's going to be what happens she finally Ava finally is she's given another humiliating assignment to go into this ginormous room of of that's nothing but the collected Deborah Vance works on videotape (laughs) and stuff, and she has to watch it all and catalog it, and that's how she's gonna get to know, and she's gonna get to learn this woman who maybe seems to be in this career rut that is not, that is stale was once this very you know, on the edge uh, figure who had much bigger ambitions for herself so it's very, and that's where you see the kind of tapping into at least some of the Joan Rivers quality. Joan Rivers struggles to get you know, the late night talk show that she did get, but that she alien famously alienated her long, long time mentor, Johnny Carson, who never mm-hmm. spoke to her again
1: mm-hmm. because
0: she finally got what she wanted. And it only lasted a few years so that there's that there's other the messed up relationship with a daughter dependent on her. Joan Rivers has that Joan Rivers just being the okay feeling like I'm the only one out there. There yes. are other women. There's nobody at my level. And I'm following Phyllis Diller. Yep. And, you know. Even though she said respectful things, secretly she didn't really think much of Phyllis Diller's, you know, kind of (laughs) addled, wild, crazed housewife, which was a very self-deprecating act.
1: Yeah, that's Um, so interesting because, you know, Phyllis Diller was a huge influence on Gene Smart. Yeah, and and
0: she has a lot of big fans among like Roseanne Barr. A lot of people really love Phyllis Diller. Yeah, Yeah. there's a lot going on. But she was Phyllis Diller says, boy, was there really nobody when I I was coming up? No one knew what I was. And of course, she's the easiest way to even introduce herself to people is I'm this insane housewife who can't cook, who who has this crazy relationship with my husband, Fang. Who the weight? You know, wears these insane house dress things and <laughs> the air and all the rest of it. So she really had to find a way to even represent herself at all. She's coming up in the early, starts in the early fifties. Oh my
1: God, yeah, insane. Yeah, in, so yeah,
0: yeah. As each moves, as you move, you know, kind of passing awkwardly, sort of passing the baton among people who are like trying to break in and always struggling. And part of the Deborah Vance story is. She still never gets to stop struggling. It's just shark forever. You just always have to be fighting, fighting.
1: Absolutely, and that I mean, mm-hmm. some of those are her speeches about work are the best speeches. You know, mm-hmm. Ava, Ava is always defending herself by saying, "Well, yeah, but I'm good." Mm-hmm. And Deborah says, "Oh, please, good is the minimum, right? Good." <laughs> talented you know whatever mm-hmm. you have to it, do you even know like the business is about what are you willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. and you have to claw and scrape every day mm-hmm. and it just gets harder
0: <laughs> right and it just gets harder which is the haunting line which you feel in your bones how true that is man. Oh gene God. smart delivers it
1: with conviction let's with say real that <laughs> knowledge and conviction yes exactly. yes <laughs> Yeah. But but the recognition of each other's like brilliance at work is what mm-hmm. draws them together. Mm-hmm. And Ava slowly, even though she begins by calling Deborah a hack and dismissing her, mm-hmm. um, Deborah, you know, kind of like spies her late one night, um, spies Ava secretly laughing at her mm-hmm. videotapes, um, and so that like begins to endear Ava to her. And then probably in, in the middle of season one. Uh, Deborah's convalescing mm. from um, some minor plastic surgery. It's my favorite episode. It's called New Eyes. And, <laughs> um, and they bond. They smoke a little pot. <laughs> and mm. Deborah Vance, it was largely known during her for career in part for this infamous episode where she burned down her husband's house after he cheated on her and ran away with her sister. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was during her late night success. And the idea is that, you know, the two people closest to her, her sister and her husband betrayed her. So she burned down his house. And it comes out during this like pot smoking night that she did not she did nothing of the sort. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. But people thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she just played off of it and was like, all right, you know, she tried to protest at first that in fact, she did not burn down his house. But Mm -hmm. the story was too delicious for people to not believe. So she just went with it. Mm -hmm. And she makes this like a big part of her career she does ads for duraflame she's often like <laughs> punning on fire in her acts or in mm-hmm. like side gigs that she has and ava wants her to stop making herself the butt of the joke like mm-hmm. ava's horrified <laughs> that, right but she led because spin, that was like, such
0: a phyllis diller joan rivers thing they were always mocking their own looks um their own deviation from the feminine ideal and all that jazz yeah
1: Yes, exactly, <laughs> and so and and also I think Ava is fascinated by Deborah's stories of what really happened. You know, like there are mm-hmm. a lot of amusing slash awful stories mm-hmm. about like you know the specific kinds of sexual harassment you would get as a as a woman in comedy in the '70s or mm-hmm. the '80s. Um, it, you know, it just all of this sort of like awful but um fascinating and unique things that happen to deborah and she's like you should build your act around these things Mm -hmm. and deborah at first doesn't think that anyone would want to possibly hear about them and ava kind of validates that her life is interesting and worthwhile you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. ava says most importantly you know you can make anything funny which means more than anything in the world to deborah Mm -hmm. um so then they're off And they have a kind of like mutual sort of begrudging respect Mm -hmm. (laughs) from then Mm -hmm. on out. Mm -hmm. And um, what's interesting is that I think, I don't know what you think, Eileen, especially in the first season. um, Mm -hmm. I think Deborah has been pretty flawlessly written throughout. Mm -hmm. She reads as like a person that I Mm -hmm. think, you know, I I know or have known or is plausible. Mm -hmm. Um, Ava seemed a little more uneven to me, but still plausible. Um, what I have noticed from talking to other people, I don't feel this way. I, I love mm. Ava and I identify with her. She's mm. a complete mess. Mm. She's you know she does a lot of like drinking too much, doing too many drugs, and like sending emails that it will detonate her life. <laughs> right. well,
0: a lot of self sabotage. There, a, a lot. lot of self sabotage. Uh, she yeah. sleeps
1: with you know kind of anyone who crosses her path, including her postmates delivery guy. <laughs> 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 um, and she like does th- she overshares constantly. She's constantly like she even told like Jimmy her agent like I just fucked my postmate. <laughs>
0: <Right>? <laughs> He's um, I'm ignoring that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, And well, I totally it- yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say. Well, it's it's fascinating to me that just in reading interviews with the the creators, showrunners, they were more worried about how Ava people being able to love Ava, which I was because like, they don't.
1: Because wow. there's been a lot of people don't like her.
0: Yeah, here's Which the quote. Which is here's, crazy here's, to me. Yeah, here's their quote. Ava has a sharp wit and tough edges, and over the course of the two seasons, she changes and grows. Her humor remains, but her understanding of others and ability to connect with them um, gradually flourish. Quote, people seem to have such little empathy for a young woman who's figuring it out. I think that's really sad, Yello says. Sometimes there's male characters who are, I think, a little bit less dimensional, but are able to be kind of blindly beloved in a way that I wish people would feel about Ava as well. I hope they do. So that's so fascinating. Because Deborah Vance is the kind of, and we say this affectionately, monster figure. Yep. <laughs> but yet the concern is about Ava, and you're like, and you instinctively feel like
1: that's absolutely right.
0: Everyone yeah. is going to have a much tougher time with a 25 year old and her mm-hmm. flaws than they are. Wow. Yeah.
1: It's harsh. It's really funny. So um, a friend of mine, Lisa Jacobson, also a listener. Hi, Lisa. Um, yeah, hi, Lisa. A friend of ours. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lisa taught hacks as an exercise in screenwriting. Mm. And so since, I mean, it's like a nice, the the episodes are half an hour and the structure is pretty stable, you know, with this like intergenerational conflict. So the exercise for her screenwriting class was for them, um, college students at, at Berkeley to write an mm. episode of hacks. Mm-hmm. And so they talked about this the show a lot, obviously, mm-hmm. and it, like almost uniformly, the young people who are Ava's age-ish um, were really pissed off by her, which I find hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, why? I mean, a, really young is people strange. are moralistic and unforgiving in the first mm-hmm. place. Like if you do things that are Very. wrong or bad, they're just like, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but more
0: willing to give Deborah a pass. And are, pass. so arguably, she's so much, quote unquote, worse. She has so much more power. She has so immense totally. wealth. From her <laughs> QVC product selling more than anything, it seems like. Yeah. She's really rich. Um, so you'd think it would be like it's more outrageous from her, but no, you can just feel people are going to not like Ava's spikiness.
1: I think more. it might be a little too close to home for the young people. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's just me.
0: <laughs> um, but it's also, I think, something about a young woman having so much kind of she's got such a career obsession and such a, such a strong sense for a lot of it anyway, that she's, she's right up in people's faces. In other words, yeah. she does a lot of like, she does a lot of what Deborah would call taking up a lot of space, yeah. um, <laughs> you know? And so she's right out there acting out in a public way, in a way that isn't traditionally associated with girls, with girls, with young women at all. Yeah. At all. So it just somehow seems, I think more challenging. Whereas someone who's much older, much more established, and falls into that diva category, everyone can recognize her much more easily. Mm-hmm. I think people have an, uh, just an easier. <laughs> time. I mean, it's even funny to have Deborah constantly trying to get her to, ch- to wear different clothes that are much yeah. more more her own like much more feminine you know yep. she buys her a little like what is it a little chanel dress and yeah you know <laughs> she keeps buying her things and, and and criticizing harshly doing fashion police which was the joan rivers thing literally the name of the show yep. um you know she says at one point when she first meets her you know those chimney sweet boots you're wearing are you going to go out the front door or back up the chimney <laughs> 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 a very very harsh take on on ava's clothes which actually look frankly kind of kind of, a lot of but quite cool to me yeah <laughs> it looks like she dresses well to me but it's with a, these generational eyes but I yes. definitely think that, that you can you can feel it happening in the show that she's mm-hmm. going to seem much more unlikable to people when you think we'd be much more forgiving for a 20-something trying exactly. to figure it out but exactly. I think it's because that common ground she also is obsessive about her career she also has a huge ego investment in her career and you don't often see young women
1: I think you that. nailed it. Yeah, I, totally. Totally. And yeah. that's the best thing about this. This show doesn't redeem them in the mm-hmm. way that makes them say like, you know what? There are more important things in life than my career. It does the opposite. Yes. It does the opposite. There is nothing
0: I more important.
1: Love, <laughs> yes, and, and Deborah Vance winds up doing <laughs>
0: material about that. That, that. That's when she she uh! figures out what's going wrong. They, they, it's a wonderful second season. They, they go on the road. They do this big trip through the, basically the Southwest yeah. um, hitting road dates to, to do trial run, a trial run of the new material, the new honest about my life and flaws and all sorts of things. Material. And it's, you know, some of it's landing, but it's not real. As Deborah Vance says, I can feel it. They're not with me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just still not it's not coming together. They're, they're not on my side. And when she it finally does kind of become now they're on my side. It's because what? It's she she can she can she can say this is where I hold myself accountable. And she says she describes it. I'm a bully, and and I I'm very hard on other people, and I have to be equally hard on myself. That's different from trying to be what either the victim or be kind of uh, abject in beating myself up for the laughter of others. This is just more like I got to acknowledge. And one of the main things she acknowledges is you know. she's been saying the worst moment in my my life is when my sister basically stole my husband so I lost both my sister and my husband Mm -hmm. that's the worst feeling in the world and then she's standing on stage and she suddenly says no it wasn't (laughs) the worst (laughs) feeling in the world was when I lost that late night show that was the worst she does a great comedy routine like having another member of the audience say what was the worst moment of your life and a man calls out a man and he says well when my mother died of cancer and she's like okay if you could have either a late night show or your mother alive again what would you pick and then he says i'd pick my mother alive again she's like see i just can't relate to that <laughs> and it's it a huge laugh because everyone gets it now everyone sees she owns up to what might seem like her absolutely horrifying set of values but it's it's a great moment oh my god that was a great moment for women it really it, did seem like
1: right <laughs> it's brilliant like no show has dared to do this like i love it so no show no work of media ever lets that happen like Mm. this is the most beautiful thing like it's the coolest um it's the coolest progression like first of all in season by the way spoilers just like we're Mm. spoiling the whole show Oh, so watch the damn show (laughs) before yeah before we talk about this but season two we watched deborah fail for like Mm. what eight episodes Uh, no uh, no, six like six episodes yeah yeah and which is amazing to like Mm. let you know before they like allow her a redemption arc we really Mm. like wallow with her and how this is going really shitty Mm. um (laughs) many different locales and it's where it doesn't tell you how to like you're kind of feeling mixed about it because ava keeps saying look trust the process we're doing important work Mm. we've learned from the previous season that there's a lot of like depth to deborah and these stories of the bad things that have actually Happened to her but it's like too confessional it's too in that very like contemporary comedian mode yeah. where people do like really downbeat you know mm-hmm. like I'm just gonna talk about sexual trauma mm-hmm. <laughs> like Absolutely. shows and I love how she kind of like course corrects and she's like you know what it's not mm-hmm. all about uh, you know my emotional trauma it's mm-hmm. also about the fact that I'm a I'm a shark and I choose to be and it mm-hmm. is like the essence of who I am like mm-hmm. In the traditional diva narrative, speaking of Judy Garland, I mean, Mm there have been many works of media that are about women who are devoted to their jobs. But usually Mm -hmm. they express some sorrow, regret or whatever Mm -hmm. about that, you know, Mm -hmm. and the final scene has to be them like singing Mm -hmm. a song and telling you about how like they've suffered. And -hmm. because you can see how much they suffered, you forgive them. Mm -hmm. That's true in part of Deborah Vance, Mm -hmm. but I've never seen someone double down and say it has all been worth it. It's kind of a show no regret, Rianne, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: And it's so exciting because it also, the show does a really good job of conveying the thrill, a kind of matchless thrill of when it lands and when it works and you can feel it yes which and again (laughs) this is for the people who have ambition and you know who you are (laughs) i'm one of those people so i can yes the greatest thrills of my life even if they were just tiny moments where oh i crushed that that worked and i it was hard and it was and i but i even i even just tiny glimmers i can't even imagine what it must be to actually get to a huge level of fame and get to do it over and over again it must be dizzying yes Um, but yeah just that you know who you are if your own work is so meaningful to you that it doesn't make you the ideal person in many ways. <laughs> uh, for, for anyone who needs a more traditional caregiver or just a lovely, available person, you know, yes. you're just not going to always be able to be. You can't be, you can't be, you can't do both. It's a lie. I can That's still, a lie. one exactly. of the few women in Hollywood's golden age who would ever just say it right out was Catherine Heffern. She'd be like, look, I can never <laughs> have kids. I will kill them. If I'm trying to rehearse for a role <laughs> and the kids are nagging me, I will, they will be dead bodies. I just like, no, it's, it's all about me. I admit it. It's all about my career. It's all about acting for me. I don't want, I, my sister's had great. Yeah. I'm a perfect aunt. They love me. I go over, I'm nice. I buy them things. And then I leave and then I go back to work. Yes. And it was just like such a rare thing. Cause most of that people of those earlier generations had to just beat themselves up oh my God, all I ever really wanted was to be a wife and mother, but somehow I tripped and fell into a 40-year career that I never <laughs> wanted. It's like such a common yep. um, line of movies of female movie stars. Oh my God.
1: Totally. And every interviewer will ask every woman, regardless mm. of their trajectory. Um, let's say you didn't have kids and you've got a big career. Like, did you want kids? Mm. You know, like, oh, it feels so bad for you that you didn't fulfill your like predestined role as a yeah. domestic being, you know, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah and
1: this yeah. show is the first to say, you know, it's actually Ava who kind of allows Deborah to gives Deborah permission to think this way. Ava says, you know, I'm just like you, and I uh, work is always the most important thing, even when maybe it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you'll never retire. You're going to keep working until you're 109. Mm-hmm. And Deborah, that sinks in for Deborah, and then it becomes part of her act. Mm-hmm. a <laughs> They give and by Deborah simply existing and saying that out loud to the public, I mean, obviously or like implicitly, she's giving Ava permission to live that kind of life too. Mm. and it's thrilling it is it's <laughs> thrilling and there's even a
0: great there's a great scene where you can tell Deborah has harbored a lot of guilt. She encounters a a, a comedian a, a woman comedian she knew from many, many years before who yes. left the business to have a more traditional life, married children, all that. And then she's with there with her children and Deborah Vance feels so guilty because at one point in their career, they were up in some sort of, they were together as is um, contending for some sort of comedian spot where there were only a certain number of spots to go on to the next level of performing. Mm -hmm. And she, the woman, the other woman made, made the cut and Deborah Vance erased her name, figuring like (laughs) only one woman is going to be allowed in the final pick. Mm-hmm. so it ain't gonna be her <laughs> it's, it's gonna be me yes. but she's held on to this guilt that she torpedoed another woman that she acknowledged was very very funny and So yes. she goes to confess to this woman and the woman's <laughs> like you think that's why i didn't do it <laughs> no it was because i didn't want to be so obsessed with my career that i i you know I, I think she said she was pregnant at the time that i that i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to be there for the kids and mm-hmm. she actually cites something that happens to Depper's daughter. She got a concussion. She was traveling. She was on the road with Deborah, And, De- and Deborah admits she can't even remember it. Nope. She could remember which jokes landed, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> but she can't remember. And it's just like, wow. So it's a great moment in that it both evokes the kind of terrible tradition for women. Mm-hmm. And it does all this bracingly honest stuff about it. Like, you know, you're going to make your choices and you got to acknowledge, like you got to acknowledge who you are, what was yes. at stake, and the impossibility—no one can do it all. No one who, even if you're rich and have servants, that just means someone else raised your kids or whatever. Yeah, it's impossible to do it all. So yeah, you make the hard choices, and if people don't like it, you just say, "Oh well, for you." Oh.
1: It, it's amazing, and it was, so, and it's also like it was pretty profound that, as you say, like Deborah doesn't care a lot about other people, but I mm-hmm. think the plight of this other woman artist, this woman comic, who was good. Who was, who good. was
0: actually good? Yeah. Moved her
1: because she knows what it's like to be good and she cares about that (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. which is again Um, it's hard to convey how exciting that is (laughs) (laughs) women contending for greatness in their field i live for this i just live (laughs) it's so rare to find this is why i've watched national velvet nine thousand times people think it's a a sappy kid and horse story no 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 it's all about (laughs) a mother who was great and the daughter who is also potentially great And figuring out if you are going to be great or not. (laughs) And for me, that was just like, oh, that's it. That's the stuff, baby. Yeah. So this is a rare thrill. (laughs)
1: It's, yeah, it's never, it's very seldom talked about. And I think, Mm. I mean, another, uh, this, this is back to sort of my diva thesis, but another Mm. thing that people kind of don't acknowledge about these narratives, which usually do as a kind of nod to, social expectation they do usually have some flimsy love plot which this show kind of has which i don't even want to get into um but like a heterosexual love plot Mm -hmm. um the the figures that motivate the diva or who motivate the diva are other divas Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this is always true Mm -hmm. it's usually like a mentor or mentee situation or a professional Mm -hmm. rival Mm -hmm. or in some cases like a former version of the diva self Mm -hmm. you know but that's always what spurs them on it's never this cardboard man Issue.
0: right no, <laughs> no actually i would say it's night it's still nicely it's such a vestigial relationship she, she has a she has an on and off again kind of connection with this guy named marty i forget yep. galen, something like that um who who's the ceo of the palmetto and he's the one who basically tells her you're bumped you know he basically helped you, fronts anyway for torpedoing her career in yeah. vegas and so you know but the wistfulness seems so generational again it seems so much like You know, they get together, but it's this... For her, anyway, it seems like it's this constant evocation of a more traditional life. Like, she's really upset in the second season where he's finally with an age-appropriate woman because he's always been with, you know, women half his age at most. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, you could see is, like, why they never got together in any more permanent way is he's just an arrested development case. He's always gonna... He's always gonna go for the little trophy girlfriend. (laughs) But so when he's gonna marry you know, an age appropriate woman, that's, you can see this is going to be a bigger deal for her. But again, it's because part of her is still living, you know, a kind of generational set of expectations, I think, as much as anything. It seems to me anyway. (laughs) I'm
1: with you. I totally agree with that read. I think she thinks Mm -hmm. she should want to marry him. Yes
0: yeah yeah and it makes her you know wistful and sad and mad <laughs> that <laughs> it doesn't work out with them ever and he always shafts her again i mean there's no way yeah i don't think anyone could watch it and think oh they'll wind up together in the end they will no. not wind up together no way. no way if they do
1: i'm i'm boycott i'm just oh kidding. yeah oh, no, i love you can't me, no matter what you do hacks
0: but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about like you know we we, we, we the the way the, the the main relationship, which is the Ava Deborah one, is is being characterized, and, and what well, we should <laughs> think about it. Because I know you have a take. So <laughs> so I you know I wrote down literally what I was reading in at least one, I think a couple of interviews, which was or rather sorry reviews, which were saying, well, there's this developing kind of more mother daughter relationship between the two, <laughs> even though they exchange those roles periodically. And yes, you were very, very, you know, much wanting to say, why does it have to be a mother daughter relationship? What else is it that?
1: okay so the following discussion goes out to every lesbian with an internet connection um so first of all this this show is hugely beloved by lesbians who loved it from the first because mm. i i we don't even have time for that but <laughs> basically it and not only does it depict uh the very special relationship between a 20 something lesbian and the 50 year old high femme <laughs> who whom she worships, um Mm-hmm. Um, it, it also I, like the younger women love Gene smart <laughs> mm-hmm. like everyone's in love with Jean smart and they they have amazing chemistry Ava mm-hmm. and Deborah mm-hmm. the Ava character is bisexual canonically within the Within the show, and mm-hmm. Hannah Einbinder, who plays Ava, is also uh, bisexual, mm-hmm. and <laughs> like constantly on every late night show, professing her love for Jean Smart. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, shout out to Hannah, my civic body, um, <laughs> love you. Um, oh, yeah. So I. So well, first and foremost, one reason that I don't think it's a mother-daughter relationship. I think we have like a paucity of terms when it mm-hmm. comes to our ability to talk about relationships between women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fact that we can categorize these two as mother-daughter when they care for each other <laughs> is because we can only think of women as mothers. <laughs> but, um, in, in episode, season one, episode seven, I think, Ava has mm-hmm. a sex dream about, De- about Deborah, mm-hmm. And I don't know what these reviewers and their mothers do, but I've never had a sex <laughs> dream about my mother. Um, I mean, no shame if you have. I guess anything's possible, but um, I don't see it that way. Um, so, um, Mm -hmm. I think I don't see them as mother daughter and I, the creators actually have been pretty vocal about also not seeing them as mother daughter and wanting to tell different stories about women that didn't fall into that category, even though they've also said that, you know, obviously mother daughter stories are important to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are so few stories about women, especially in an intergenerational relationship that aren't that. So, I mean, yeah, they care for each other at times um deborah is always you know frequently god there's a devastating fucking scene um where deborah in at the end towards the end of season two deborah Mm -hmm. shows ava who can't swim how to float (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um they have never said to each other like you know I love you or appreciate you they don't they don't talk like that to each other mm-hmm. um, but Deborah teaches Ava how to float and Ava sort of and leaves her and to, actually to go make a note about a joke whose punchline they just solved mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ava quick like panics for a little second and says like don't leave me which is the only time she ha- has has up into that point said anything remotely like that mm-hmm. um, and you know like a sort of a, a look passes over Deborah's face, but then Deborah like chooses to encourage her, like, you got this, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like the metaphor is quite obvious. Like, obviously mm-hmm. Deborah's gonna show Ava how to float. Mm-hmm. But Ava has also done that for Deborah and constantly mm-hmm. pushed her and uh forced her not to let herself off the hook forced her to keep going even in mm-hmm. the face of like repeated failure. So, I mean, if every sort of caring act for everyone is like filial or parental, mm-hmm. I, I I just think that's kind of like, we need to come up, we need to admit for like, more. there are more qualities to human experience <laughs> um, beyond that. And, and frankly, I, I mean, Ava, especially by the end of season two, I don't know how to see this as anything but queer, at least on Ava's mm. part. Mm. So, I mean, OK, should I break down the queerness or should I get to Deborah and Ava in their specific how that's so gay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think both. Maybe start with how it's so gay or start with wherever, wherever, it'll, however you okay. can cover both.
1: Well, I would say this, this show is super queer in general mm. because mm-hmm. it has two women at the center of it mm-hmm. for whom romance, uh, especially heterosexual romance, mm-hmm. is not their primary aim. Romance mm. does not drive the plot. You're, you'd are you be hard-pressed to find films about women where romance does not drive the plot, mm-hmm. at least heterosexual romance. Because mm-hmm. in this culture, the only sanctioned <sighs> aim for women's energy is heterosexuality, y'all. <laughs> so um, it, the, in and of i mean in and of itself that's amazing Mm -hmm. um and so anyway also most of the supporting characters within the series are queer because hey Mm -hmm. it's show business and who is deborah vance going to be you know surrounded by in real life it's going to be a bunch of queers
0: and there's even an episode about like the gays get me you know
1: Yes, um, she, and when gay she's men booked, accidentally
0: her. booked onto a lesbian cruise oh. instead of a gay cruise, which she usually would play. Oh man, yeah,
1: the yeah. lesbian cruise episode kind of hurt me. It was uh. it was an emotional roller coaster. We can talk about that. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but um, so, and also the cast, uh, the majority of the cast are gay. <laughs> so mm. Meg Stalter, who plays, um, oh my God, Kayla, what's Kayla, and, and yeah, Jimmy's ho-
0: assistant. She's scoring a ton of laughs. She's a wonderful character.
1: Oh, she's so good and she made her mm-hmm. name i think with like you know instagram comedy videos mm-hmm. um poppy liu who's a delight
0: oh, yeah. she's wonderful.
1: <laughs> and plays kiki she's queer like the whole cat it's like a bunch of queers and jean smart who's just like a gay icon because <laughs> she's tall and blonde and fabulous um so everything about this is queer already but also mm-hmm. the conversations on the show to me Mm-hmm. through my eyes are like unheard of. Like mm-hmm. there's a conversation that Ava has with Deborah. There they happen to be on the lesbian cruise, but mm-hmm. it's not, you know, where Ava brings up the fact that Deborah's always making jokes about how unsatisfying sex with mm-hmm. men is. <laughs> she does have a, a, an abundance of Katie Lang material. <laughs> so she's like, have you ever like considered? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it's more than just trying to, you know, I, at the end of the day, I don't know how queer Deborah is. It's a question. I don't, I mm-hmm. don't, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. do I think she's like lusting after Ava? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Probably, mm-hmm. maybe not. Um, but I I think that's not the point. The point that mm-hmm. Ava even says, like, have you ever like examined this? You mm-hmm. know, that's the important part. And it kind of she kind of forces Deborah to think for the first time about compulsory heterosexuality. You know, like, mm-hmm. are, did you ever even think what you wanted? Did you ever mm-hmm. even like ask for what you wanted? You know, and it's true. Like we we do see um, in season one, Deborah Marty has sex with Deborah, and the next morning tells her that her residency is over it's like awful Mm -hmm. it's like the most exploitative you know she didn't like double fucked over (laughs) i'm sorry Mm -hmm. to be um Mm -hmm. but it's awful and you Mm -hmm. know you get the sense that it wasn't like a thrilling night (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and it seems like poor deborah's probably had a lot of these experiences with men that just end up feeling not great (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know and you kind of wonder like why are you putting yourself through this and she still you know she still tries to get sort of like dolled up for marty and impress Mm -hmm. him and um you know get his attention Mm -hmm. and basically a is asking her to think about why she does that Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i've never seen anything like that on a show or in a film and Mm -mm. i thought that was amazing (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. yeah but But, you know yeah and it is it seems like it's going to be an ongoing thing i mean that's going to be at least the tenor of the relationship is they're all each is capable of sort of adjusting the other's viewpoint sometimes very rudely (laughs) to the point that each is going to be on a path of some sort of development and exploration so you know she has a deborah winds up having a, a an odd little fling with a guy who's much younger
1: i love fedex man that was he was great that guy
0: i meant to look up his name De-
1: is devon sawa he was like a big heartthrob in the 90s oh, that's right i
0: knew i recognized him anyway yeah he's, he's they there's a terrific scene with them you know that, that, they they hook up in a very kind of casual you know young person way but it's very sweet and very tender and and very just very nicely handled in general, yeah, and it just seems like Deborah is starting to go. Hmm. Yes, <laughs> I could branch out from from the way I have from been. Marty. <laughs> from yeah, Marty's a dead end, and even the casting tells you. You'll recognize this guy too when he when he when you see him. Yeah, he's played a lot of bad guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <has>. <laughs> a lot of you know heartless, soulless corporate chill types. Yeah,
1: totally. And it's so lovely. Like I love the scene with FedEx guy. It, uh, you get the sense it's been set up, you know, by the discussion between Deborah and Ava about you know sex and like what do you want from it that mm-hmm. you know deborah's wheels are turning because actually on mm-hmm. the lesbian group. yeah she did like a woman comes to talk to yes. her at the bar and she's like you want to buy me a drink and i was like whoa are they gonna uh, go know. there they're not I gonna know. go there um but
0: <laughs> but this sudden moment of like this is because at first it's going so well yes. <laughs> oh you know, she's really going wow what was and she even says what was i thinking right. <laughs> the lesbians are great and they love me and this is all great <laughs>
1: she says so, yes. I, they love I love
0: women and I'm a fabulous one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, um, and then, you know, she kind of reverts to her own, you know, kind of cliched ideas about, about women and femininity and starts saying them in her act and gets booed and bad things happen. But um,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. there's a briefly exhilarating period where it's a love fest and she really th- rethinking like, oh, <laughs> life yeah. could be more than it's been. And again, it goes back to that first shot where you feel like she's done that walk from the su- successful but routine, mm-hmm. you know, stand-up act through. She's greeted the showgirls. She's greeted the crew. She greeted. The- she's gone home, fed the dogs. Done- she's done all this. It's a kind of very. She's very well compensated, but it's a dead end. And this is all about getting around the dead end for both of them.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then so, you know, when FedEx guy comes around, who she meets in a bar in mm-hmm. Memphis, I think, um, it's really sweet. He doesn't know who she is. He's like mm-hmm. 40. Um, and she asked him if he has a fetish for older women. And he's basically like, yeah, is that a, is that a bad yeah. thing? <laughs> so, <laughs> so he takes her home and he's like super sweet and attentive and makes her feel desired. And mm. she can can best to him um something that's true for her usually in terms of audiences but there's mm-hmm. a line later in the series that says you know she always felt more comfortable telling things to strangers and mm-hmm. he's a stranger you know mm-hmm. and so she can sort of like get in she gets in touch after that or d- kind of during that experience mm-hmm. with FedEx guy um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um with the fact that she, you know, confesses like, "Yeah, my sister left me for my husband." And he says, "Oh my God, how could they do that to you?" And for the first time, she kind of admits, like, "Well, you know, it wasn't entirely their fault. I, mm-hmm. I was way more into my career, and I didn't have a lot of room for them." Mm-hmm. um And from this, uh, like, he kind of like opened, you know, he opened something in her that allows her to find the key to her act. But that mm-hmm. that whole thing was set. All of this chain of events was like set into motion by her conversation with Ava. Mm-hmm. So. We're just happy that Deborah got her group back. It doesn't matter with who. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, we we you know, again, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. But you know, the 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 way season two is ended is another kind of you know, it's a big cliffhanger shocker. Um, that yeah. I don't know how much we want to say or not say but it's gotten a lot of a re- ton of reaction of people actually panicking like this This can't just be the end is it you know kind of thing yeah
1: okay let's get into it yeah so it, it felt like a series finale mm-hmm. um the creators have said that that no they 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 actually have planned the end of this series but it doesn't end like this it. yeah
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a longer arc than this yeah
1: yeah Season three has not yet been confirmed by HBO, which sucks. Mm. Um, I will murder them. <laughs> <It's strange. laughs> Isn't it doing super well? How how well do you have to do? I don't know. I know it's critically acclaimed and it's uh-huh. got a rabid fan base, but I don't know how yeah. big that fan base is. Oh, you're right.
0: I, sh- I just assumed it was. I'm going to have to go look it up now. Damn it. I, I think,
1: think we I'm... might just be dedicated, but small. I don't really know. Nobody know. said it.
0: in a, in a, And I read a ton of things. Like nobody right. said anything about like it. It just seemed like it was a popular show but now you're right technically i don't know this
1: ah All i know right. I, I and i don't understand their reasoning because it's yeah. i mean look you need some something that's going to win the emmys mm. well. <laughs> but anyway yeah. um okay so the last episode was heartbreaking <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. Oh, fucking Jean Smart. Oh my God. She's so good. I hate her for doing her job so well. Um, She realizes, first of all, Ava gets very attached to Deborah in the last Mm -hmm. couple episodes and it starts to creep in. She starts to defend her on the road in the way Mm -hmm. that she never would have before. Debra does a lot of lovely things for her, even though, by the way, all of season two is framed by the fact that Debra is suing Ava for everything right, she's right. worth because she violated the terms of her NDA. We won't get mm-hmm. into that. But it is a big, very emotional opening to season two when we find out how Ava has betrayed Debra. Anyway, Deborah's suing her. That frames everything. But in the midst of like her rage at what Ava's done, she's still keeping Ava with her. They're mm-hmm. still on tour together. Mm-hmm. Um, she's definitely punishing Ava and super mad at her <laughs> throughout the mm-hmm. first couple episodes. Episodes. But then um, Lori Metcalf, in a hilarious yeah. supporting turn as the character of Weed, the tour manager, <laughs> yeah. um, mistakenly throws out the ashes of Ava's dead father, recently deceased. Mm-hmm. And Deborah Vance does turn the bus around um, and like head back hours out of their way and jumps into a dumpster with Ava to find these ashes. Mm-hmm. So that's you know obviously like Deborah's there for her in a way mm-hmm. that no one else is. Um, mm-hmm. Ava's relationship with her own mother is difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, her mother is someone who's like really afraid of the world is constantly freaking out. Um, definitely like a very stressful person (laughs) for Ava to be around. And And Jane
0: Addams is really great. She's really erratic and she's, it's a very recognizable person. Yes. That she, that she conveys in in detail, a kind of flighty inability to quite focus or concentrate. And it's, it's a little hard to watch her. She's so good at Jane Addams playing. Um, and so, you know, that's an interesting thing, just a quick throwback. Because throwing the mother daughter relationship on Ava and Deborah is interesting because there are two mother daughter relationships literally happening. And one is Ava and her mother, and one is um, Deborah and her daughter DJ. So, anyway, yes, and
1: And Ava's mother is mm-hmm. at odds with Ava's work. Ava's yeah. mother does not want her to be a comedy writer. It's mm-hmm. too risky. She hates mm-hmm. show business. She's mm-hmm. risk adverse risk averse, which is why mm-hmm. Ava doesn't know how to swim. Her mother mm-hmm. was afraid of water. So mm-hmm. obviously, Deborah teaching her how to float is, mm-hmm. you know, a, a way of like, here, I'm gonna teach you how to be in the world, this world, show business, which is what mm-hmm. I know. And mm-hmm. obviously that's what, you know, in part Deborah can give her. But mm-hmm. she definitely starts to like not only defend Deborah and want to be near her, she mm-hmm. chooses an apartment that's like Ten minutes closer to Deborah, even, even though, though it's, it's a not as nice. Apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Season two really set. In season one, Ava sleeps with uh at least two guys. In mm-hmm. season two, it's kind of emphasizing uh the other half of Ava's orientation, and she sleeps with only women. And I think it's kind of setting that up to like remind you, like, hey, Ava's queer. Um. Mm-hmm. And by the end, you know, it's clear Ava just wants to be near Deborah, and they've done this. They've triumphed, and Deborah has created her special. Um, She's figured out her act. It's good now. No one believes in it. Um, So she produces her own DVD of her Mm -hmm. act with, I love this, um, with an old school woman director who she worked with Mm -hmm. in like the Mm seventies. And um, in a genius move of sort of like self-funding and Mm self-promotion uses QVC, the home shopping network on Mm -hmm. which she is a staple personality Mm -hmm. to sell her DVD and the DVD sells really well and people actually, you know, can view her work now and it's very successful. And so every network now wants to, uh, broadcast a special and there's a bidding war, And finally a major network does buy it. Um, but I mean, it's, it's lovely. Like Deborah had to bet on herself time. And again, you know, no one believed in her until it was a proven success. Mm. And then, you know, then the industry would come back her up. Mm-hmm. Um, but even at the age of 70, even with the status of legend, like she mm-hmm. still had to make this all happen for herself. Mm-hmm. And Ava's kind of denying her own uh, talent and contribution. For instance, she does not take a writing credit on Deborah's special because she thinks these are Deborah's stories, even though she, you know, she and Deborah created the act and mm-hmm. Ava's written a lot of the jokes. Um, so Deborah gives her credit verbally at like a a network event and then when everyone realizes this Ava suddenly is hot and all of the yeah she's
0: getting approached by all of these people who want to clearly are interested in working with her but she's not reacting like Ava would have (laughs) you know in some ways that's a good way she's not she's not quite so frantic but she actually seems surprised and she you know there's this feeling of like she's she's subsuming her career into Deborah's career
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and she even, le- she gets a job to punch up uh, a friend's yeah. pilot and yeah. she even like leaves. And it's interesting. I love this damn show. All of the mm-hmm. details, they really pay off. Um, Deborah wears a lot of leopard print. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards the end of the series, when Ava gets this gig to do punch ups on this pilot, uh, Ava is wearing a little leopard print jacket. So mm-hmm. you get the idea like she's becoming Deborah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and she, but she leaves that gig early to come watch Deborah tape her special, even though mm-hmm. Deborah, in an act of generosity, like gave her permission to go do this gig. So mm-hmm. Ava keeps kind of like undermining her own career for the sake of Deborah and supporting her. And Deborah sees this and doesn't mm-hmm. want her to miss her chance.
0: Mm-hmm. Though, so, can I add one other complication that it does really nicely? The description of like the interest and the offer she's getting make you think, but Jesus. It's so much more exciting to work with Deborah on this new phase of her career that's really going to potentially be groundbreaking instead of doing literally Ice Age 12 where there's, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a female woolly mammoth character that needs fleshing out yes. and that's the kind of job she's getting. And when, when when with the 70s director um and she's played by actually someone who's a noted comedian or oh, something. Oh yeah, she's so good. Oh down. shit. Susie Susie Esman
1: is that yeah right? a- Susie es- es- or something es- es- something like that Shoot, shoot. <laughs> I have it somewhere here
0: I know she's listed Essman,
1: Susan Essman. Esman
0: anyway she also does a rundown of what it's like taking meetings which she never gets hired for um and they're just like grotesque <laughs> <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> assignments that she wouldn't want anyway except she wants to work so like you know just the idea that you could be doing this really rich exciting creative work or you could do you know. I say, twelve. the so yeah, female woolly the character is... As Deborah like, has wow. taught her, a gig's a gig. And a, a gig's, gig's gig, a gig, and you got to <laughs> work, and, you, and she keeps saying, you got to be a shark, and it's true, by the end, Ava seems to have lost all her sharkishness. It's like, yes. she's much, she's much more soft, much more just happy to be there kind of thing, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and Deborah senses this, and they have a heartbreaking conversation yeah. about it, where Deborah. Basically says I'm firing you, and Ava is baffled and mm-hmm. and then distraught, and mm-hmm. she admits, "I I I would just want to be wherever you are." Mm-hmm. And Deborah yeah. kind of can't. I I believe that Deborah is. Obviously, pushing Ava out of the nest, I do consider it an act of generosity. I think it's like an indication of personal growth for Deborah, who's mm-hmm. doing something unselfish for once. Mm-hmm. But I also got the sense from this scene that I've rewatched like thirty times um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that De- like Deborah, uh, Ava kind of protests and says, "Like I, I thought we were good together," and mm-hmm. Deborah looks away. She yeah. kind of can't, still can't confront. The intimacy of exactly, it is and I think
0: doesn't she say that? Doesn't Ava say you're just scared? Yes, you're just scared because we're getting too close. Something like yes. that. Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, and I don't. Gene Smart the-
0: being Gene Smart can play all of that. <laughs> all she plays it all at the same time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so
1: she's it amazing. seems like everything. It seems like she's refusing to acknowledge that they are good together because mm-hmm. she wants to give Ava Swift kick in the pants, and it seems mm-hmm. also true that she's scared. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah all right this is how we leave it so the last sequence is ava who is now living in los angeles where Mm deborah says she should be living if she wants Mm -hmm. to be in show business Mm -hmm. slept subletting someplace Mm -hmm. and she gets a call from jimmy that deborah is dropping the lawsuit Mm -hmm. um which is framed season two and ava's disappointed because the court date was the one place where she was going to get to see deborah yeah
0: that was what they said well i'll see you in. you know will i ever see you again well yeah sure you'll see me at the court at the court date and then the court date gets canceled
1: yes yeah ava's sad that she's not gonna get to see deborah and then the god i'm so gutted but the final Mm -hmm. shot is reveals that ava while putting her getting her little place in order has Mm -hmm. been watching qvc just so she can see deborah yeah and deborah is hawking a device where you can that lets you uh it's kind of like a uh an accessory where if you have an evening gown um Mm -hmm. it's a kind of pretty bejeweled thing that will let you zip up your own evening gown (laughs) because like presumably you live alone if you're a deborah vance (laughs) Uh
0: that's right because because something and there's a great final line what is it you know it better than me something about you, even if you don't know what's going to happen that evening you know
1: oh yes exactly like then you know oh. the night can take you anywhere but yeah i don't know basically like it's but important. you know you
0: can get there on your own something like yes, that. yes that's it's it better than that it's better than that but it's something like that yeah so it's clearly like also this message practically tailor-made for ava right is you gotta go back to figuring out how to zip yourself up and <laughs> get out
1: there <laughs> yes on but also own. emphasizing how lonely deborah is too you know yes. it's sad that anyone mm-hmm. would think to invent
0: and to invent the yeah. self-closing zipper yes and <laughs> yeah, then that's
1: right. and then i owe this to the to the fans online mm. who have noticed that on okay so um uh, the QVC tv is located Mm. on a stand in ava's apartment and on that stand it's not standing up but sort of like still in the shot is Mm. a is a photo that ava stole of deborah from a Mm. comedy club in season one um and like is that platonic behavior can you is there a heterosexual (laughs) explanation for this i don't know to me i've never like i can't imagine yearning over a buddy (laughs) The way right. that Ava's yearning over Deborah, right? How does this go on in a way that's like not at least gay on Ava's part?
0: Yeah. Oh no, it seems very much okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, by the by, certainly even if you weren't picking it up as it was developing by the last the last uh, episode, I don't know how you ignore it.
1: Okay, she's Thank definitely you. got
0: a big old crush on Deborah. <laughs> yeah. On Deborah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And yeah. then, like, what what happens in season three? know. <laughs> that- how are they? How is this gonna play out? <laughs> I know. Are they gonna
0: wind up having you know a relationship and then have to? <laughs> then of course, that won't work, and they'll have to. I why assume not? <laughs> this is what I, I hate. Know. I
1: also feel like, of course, I'm not, just going by like diva devastated. logic. Actually, I yeah. know. Yeah. I know. It seems like mm. they have to be alone to be. Yeah. To do their thing, it seems like their pursuit of their art condemns them to loneliness. But goddammit, mm. it, why, Eileen? It's
0: a good question. Why? Why can't collaborators get together in other ways and just have a richer artistic life? Come on, come
1: on, come on! So fucking sad about it. I feel like my life depends on what happens. In <laughs>
0: yeah, Dolores's heart cries on social media as, as these episodes go by are really marvelous. I can't watch this shit. <laughs> Images of knives, catskits and hearts you know, <laughs> flowing by in emoji fashion. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely,
1: absolutely haunting and devastating. And yeah, it also whatever. I'll save it for my therapist. <laughs> um, <laughs> Should
0: we, like, should we, we real? I mean. Just one. Oh, do we want to go to final thoughts? I just have one tiny final thought. Yes. It's only trivia, but it's such good trivia. Do it, do Yes, need, I was hoping, yes, go. <laughs> well, Gene Smart, of course, one wants to know about Jean Smart. Jean- and, you know, what do you find out? I found out, you know, not so much. Daughter of a Seattle-based teacher. Um, you know, obviously, in every way, triple, quadruple, whatever threat she's, you know. No, nominated or awarded Tonys and Emmys and everything. She's got a movie career. She's got a TV career. She's got a stage career. She's she's just done it all, and, and it's also fabulous. But the favorite, favorite <laughs> life fact, which is, by the way, being mined, apparently, for the show, which I didn't know at the time when yep. I saw the episode that was included in, she is descending on her mother's side from Dorcas Hoare. that's (laughs) (laughs) H-O-A-R um who was one of the last women convicted of witchcraft at the Salem witch trial but because it was getting toward the end of the trial she was condemned to hang but she confessed and was given a reprieve and it wound up apparently sparing her life because the trials ended with no more with no more hanging exactly um yeah so this is worked into, is it the last episode of the second to last? I can't remember.
1: But there are two, there's a uh, reference to it in the second to last. And okay. then the Ice Age character that Ava is supposed to pull oh, up is named yes. Hor. Is named H-O-A-R. Whore, and
0: they spell it out <laughs> H-O-A-R. Uh, and Jimmy's like, I, I think this problematic. We're yeah. going to have to work on that. <laughs> but the earlier reference, which I guess is the episode before the last. Yep. Um, they're talking about what, what great like media fodder it is when they discover that, you know, she's related on, you know, she's a descendant of what they think of the of the Dorcas horror that is, you know, that is this figure. And then they amend it by saying, Well, actually, it turns out she was one one of the women who was accusing other women of being witches. Yeah, right. I got a lot of people killed. <laughs> That's in the show. That's not that's, in real life. That's, yeah, that's what <laughs> they do with it in the show. It's yeah. very funny. Yeah. It's very funny. So they all like, collapsed like oh damn we really could use that but no
1: <laughs> and by the way if you can find it on cable i mm-hmm. i watched this um maybe it's because i obsessively hulu searched gene smart but there's <laughs> a show called who do you think you are uh-huh. and like gene smart's ancestry like including you know like documentary footage with gene uh-huh. smart learning all this um uh-huh. is featured on the season finale of this uh-huh. show oh, sure. and it was really really good <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah that is some beautiful fact finding there <laughs> i just oh love God. it so yes yeah, so knowing they're mining gene smart's life it makes sense all the sense of the world
1: it's the best um, and there's so many like there's so many parallels be- between deborah and gene not that mm-hmm. they have a-, a remotely similar personality but i couldn't help thinking like as deborah vance finally gets her her special you know to be bid on by the networks mm-hmm. after having to believe oh, yeah. in herself like so mm-hmm. hard for years mm-hmm. it just you know i couldn't help but think like finally jean has a starring role mm-hmm. which she hasn't had since like designing women i mean mm-hmm. i guess she's done tv movies and stuff where she's mm-hmm. the, the starring role but finally she's the star of a prestiged drama Mm -hmm. after having been a supporting player mostly for a long time you know on hbo Mm -hmm. winning every conceivable acting award that was available Mm -hmm. for her (laughs) to Mm -hmm. her and it must she must feel like god finally you know yeah
0: Yeah. it really that is very exciting especially if you were following the lead up when she plays the mother she does such a great job in mayor of east town i think everybody was like okay (laughs) <laughs> this is she's just too good here i mean she's stealing scene after scene from kate winslet who's giving the performance of a lifetime yes so it was i think that that point that everybody was this is when she she, she was being called the queen of um the queen of hbo <laughs> in yep. an article that was talking about what this these two and tax uh oh and Watchmen. She's in Watchmen. Yeah, but yeah, that's where you could really feel like, no, this has got to go somewhere. Someone's going to cast her in a major role, and here it is. So it's Finally. something to be celebrated because she's such a film.
1: You deserve it, girl. You yes. deserve it. Finally and Einbinder is so good. She came out of nowhere. She's a stand-up comedian in real life. Mm-hmm. She's also Lorraine Newman's daughter. Original- oh no way. Yep. Yep. Oh, I had no <laughs> idea. Oh my original God. SNL cast member <laughs> Hannah has a hilarious stand-up routine about. Like being her mother's daughter. And oh it's all about how, like, I don't know, her mother didn't want kids because she was busy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? Wow. Oh my God, that's so good to know. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that not prominent in every damn thing I read? Huh. I don't the know. Things people skip over. I
1: don't know. Yeah. But she's never acted before. She's never had a real oh, job. Like, Hacks, the HBO hit, is her, like her first real job. That's not oh working as a barista and doing stand-up comedy on the side.
0: Okay, that's <laughs> incredible. Man, she's what incredible. a great instinct for casting. Because, wow, what an ensemble. I mean, it works so well. Even, like, the minor recurring characters are wonderful. There's the, the guy who works the counter at the hotel. I love him! Up, he's just marvelous. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many. The whole household staff that works with Deborah is fabulous. Everyone. It's great. It's really that's a rare thing to see everyone just hitting it out of the park over and over.
1: It's so, so lovely, and I yeah, think it's lovely. I, I can't stop talking about. I'm sorry, but just mm. one final thing to say: like the mm-hmm. cast love each other, and this is another reason I love the show. I think they mm-hmm. have the best time, and like. Hannah and Jean have a super close relationship. They're like really good friends in real life. And it was Hannah Einbinder's birthday, like two weeks ago or something. And Jean Smart threw her a backyard pool Aww. party with the whole <laughs> cast. And Aww. they just like hang out wholesomely and like play in the grass and have barbecues. I love them.
0: <laughs> this is so atypical of Showbiz that yes, one one must be grateful for an occasional heartwarming story. That is so exactly. nice. Exactly. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Let's All right, I, <laughs> I think that's it. Unless you have a last,
1: last, last. No, just nope. like go. If you if do if, if you have a heart, go watch it. <laughs> yeah, let's try to get
0: a season three for Season three, HBO imagine.
1: Max. That's our final. That's our <laughs> yeah. final word. Come on, HBO. Come uh, yeah. on, you Can't leave it like that. Yeah.
0: And that is our episode, which we are calling <laughs> "Proud of Hacks" in honor of Gay Pride Month. With, of course, this is. Thanks, dear listeners. And of course, triple thanks to our subscribers who keep us in salt and pepper shakers. If you're not a subscriber yet, but you like what you hear, please consider signing up with Patreon for all the Film Suck content. Instead of just the half that is publicly available, you can follow News of the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.